Welcome to Season 3 of Dating After Death, a podcast dedicated to the journey of finding love again after losing your forever person. And I'm your semi-anonymous host, but if you know, you know. Today's episode is with a woman I've been connecting with on Instagram for quite a while now. Her name is Adriana. And part of the reason that I really wanted to do a chat with her is because I feel like she's a really good representation of many of you that I talk to in a lot of different ways. In addition to that, she's just really thoughtful about how this journey has been for her and articulates her feelings very well. So I thought that it would be a good conversation and of course it was. So I am gonna let you in on that in just a second here. I have been hearing from many of you for, I don't know, a whole year probably, that you would be very interested to hear my boyfriend's feelings on how it has been to date a widow. Um, Obviously the conversation leans more towards dating me specifically. Um, And also I think it's just helpful for people to have a man's perspective since most of us are women about what it's like to date online. So I finally had that conversation with him. If you haven't given a listen yet, it is on the Patreon and you can join the Patreon for as little as $5 a month if you're just looking for access to the Facebook group, which is a private group so that those of us can feel safe kind of engaging with each other or asking questions when we have them. But If you pay $10 a month, then you have access to the bonus bag of content, which is really a lot of different conversations I've had with people in my family and sort of in my life about my dating experience and my journey. And then also some of my thoughts about some of the things that have been like harder for me, you know, navigating lots of different aspects of this that I don't always talk about right here on the podcast. So if you are interested in that, it is patreon.com slash dating after death. We'd love to see you over there. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know, all of our guests talk about the power of therapy in their life. I'm pretty sure I haven't talked to a single person who hasn't talked about therapy. And I am right on board with that because I am realizing that so many things in my life need to be processed with a professional. I mean, my mind is always spinning and there's a lot going on. This is a complicated post-traumatic experience that we're living and it is so helpful to have somebody to talk to. BetterHelp is an amazing resource for us. It's just convenient. You can do it from your house. You have many ways to choose the therapist that you work with and can continue to work with different people until you find the perfect fit. Also, another option for you is to do couples therapy with somebody new, perhaps, that you are managing a new relationship with. Or if you have teenagers who could benefit from therapy, BetterHelp also offers that. So if you are considering BetterHelp and you would use the podcast code, that also helps support the podcast. So it is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash dating after death. I'm super grateful for their sponsorship and really hopeful that if you are in search of therapy, you will check it out. All right, let's go. So hi, Adriana. Hi. (laughs) So I feel like you and I have been like kind of like back and forth touching base for a while. And I know early on you were like, I'm happy to do the podcast because I think you are very thoughtful about this whole process and have done a lot of introspection and 
I think you tend to be like one of the metacognitive people always thinking about what you're thinking about. Um, so it seems like you have a lot to offer to the community about your experience and your life. So that's why I invited you on. Thanks for saying that. And I will say it's probably to my detriment sometimes that I am always thinking about it, but I'm sure you know that too. Yes. That's where I live. I get it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. So we're going to try to do just like a brief overview of your story and your love life before, and then we'll kind of hop into your dating life. Okay. So I met my husband, Andrew, in college. Um, I think it was my freshman or my sophomore year rather. And we were together from the very first night that we met. And he was my first serious boyfriend. Um, so I really didn't do any dating before him. And I think one of the the details about this story that's interesting to keep in mind in terms of my dating journey after being a widow is that he was the first person I had ever been with. Um, and so mm-hmm. I think that's something that many widows have experienced, but it always adds another layer because I never did any of the intimacy, any of the dating before I met him. And so we were together, like I said, from that very first moment that we met and our, our love story is one for the books. And I shared a bunch of that with you via email. And it's just one filled with unconditional love and laughter and joy. And it was just a high energy relationship in such a positive way. And as I spent so much time reflecting on it, I can't sometimes believe that that was the type of relationship that I feel like I fell into, but people have to point out and remind to me that I didn't fall into it, right? We're very, I'm a very intentional person. I found that relationship and, and we made it, we made it what it was. There was no accident or no luck involved with that. It sounded like in the story that you told, you were also very cognizant of staying independent, right? So like when you moved to Japan, right? Yeah. That you were like, I'm not just doing this for him and to kind of help yourself. So you weren't following yeah, yeah. like Yeah. And I and I do say, especially when I talk about our relationship, that I think I was almost um independent to a fault. It could have it could have ended up with me isolating myself from him and um not allowing myself to be in a true partnership. Um, but especially in those last few years of of when he was alive, I really felt like I had finally let down something inside me and really allowed myself to melt into him and meld with him in a way that I had never done before. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right that I, I was very um, proud of my independence. And one of the things that I would always say to him is, I don't need you. I would have a very wonderful, full life without you, but I want you in my life. And to me, that mm-hmm. was the, the highest form of a compliment that I could give him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you lived in Japan for a year, which is so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, we did. It was almost two years. Yep. And we went over there because he was an East Asian studies major in college and he studied abroad during school. And then he worked in Japan after college. And then he wanted to go back to become fluent in Japanese. And so Mm -hmm. he was set on going there for an intensive language program. And I saw it as a huge opportunity for me because I had never lived abroad before. And so that's what you were referring to when I made it very clear to him that I am moving to Japan for my own benefit, not so that mm-hmm. we could, you know, be close to each other and not have a long distance relationship. So that was that yeah. was a very 
a very bonding experience because I did have to rely on him in some ways because I didn't speak any Japanese. Um, yeah. But it also, our schedules also allowed me to have, again, a high level of autonomy and independence and had to figure it out on my own to a large extent. So from there, you ended up getting married. We ended up getting married and moving back to the town where we went to school. And we both worked at that university for a little while. And then, um, so we got married in 2010 and then had our first kiddo in 2012. Um, and then welcomed another one in 2015. And, mm-hmm. you know, life with two young kids very quickly changes what it used to look like. Um, yeah. And our world became about them and we didn't have family nearby. So it was really the two of us against the world in many ways when it came to raising raising our kids. And I had never imagined mm-hmm. that I would be so far from family when I had kids. Um, it was only four and a half hours, but it still wasn't what I had pictured in my head growing up. Yeah. I think it was beneficial for us because we really did have to work together as a team to figure things out in a way that we might not have otherwise had to um, if we had a high level of support at our beck and call. Um, And Andrew was a phenomenal dad. I mean, he took such joy in being a dad and he was the one who jumped at the opportunity to do daycare, drop off and pick up. That was something that I never enjoyed doing and he loved it. He loved seeing the kids and all of their friends. He was the one who did bedtime every night and the kids would go to bed with like so much laughter in their heart. I would initially try to tell Andrew like, no, 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 don't rile the kids up right before bed. They need to be calm. And, but then I realized like, what better way is there to go go to sleep than with like just a smile on your face and so much laughter. And he was the one who would always read them an extra story and just roughhouse and carry them anytime that they asked. And he just, he was more than a 50-50 partner when it came to parenting and it was just everything. It sounds like a beautiful partnership, like him doing the things that you don't love to do and vice versa. mm. Exactly. Yeah. It's delicious. So do you want to talk at all about how it ended or would you like to just skip? No, we can. I mean, it's, it's definitely part of, part of our story, part of my story. Um, so I was just listening to some of your episodes, um, this morning and I was listening to the one with grief, the fish and she was telling her story. She mentioned that her husband died on her birthday and Mm -hmm. I immediately, got excited because my husband died on my birthday and it's just not something that you really hear happening. And it's just another part of a tragic story, another layer, you know, everyone has many, many layers, but this is one that complicates it in a different way. So we were actually in the process of moving from Connecticut um, to Boston for my husband's new job. And we had been living apart for all of 2020 Um he was in Boston. We were in Connecticut. We'd see each other on the weekends. And it was when the pandemic had started. And so we started living together again, middle of March. And as the world was spinning out of control, we were hunkering down together as a family of four again. So there were conflicting feelings there, right? Because everyone was scared and unsure. Um, But I was just feeling very grateful to have us all back together again. And so we were going back to Connecticut that day just to move some more things out of our house and the kids were with us it was a gorgeous day it was my birthday 
and um, Andrew and I were moving things out of the house into the van while the kids were inside. And we had just got done moving a piece of furniture into the van and I was going back inside and um, I, I just heard something and I thought he was just taking totes out of the car to rearrange them or something. And I went around the corner and I just saw him flat on his back in the driveway. And this is a part of the story where it's still hard to reconcile because the way in which I reacted was a way that I I never would have imagined, right? Like I saw myself as a very prepared person, cool under pressure, um, knowing what to do, all of these things. And in that moment, you just lose control. And Mm. of course, it was the time when I didn't have my phone with me. And so I'm yelling for help because we lived in an area with lots of neighbors and the kids come out of the house and to see their faces. And, you know, fortunately, they never saw Andrew in the way that I did um, when he was on the ground. But still, as one of those things where you'll never forget, their just looks of confusion and fear um, as all of this is whirling around. And so it was in April during COVID. And so when the ambulance came, I couldn't go with him in the ambulance. They took him to the emergency room. I couldn't go meet him at the emergency room. Um, And I just had to wait until I finally got in touch with the doctor. And I remember I was the one who said it first. Um, When I was talking to the doctor, I said, it's not good, is it? And she said, no. And I said, he died, didn't he? And she said, yeah. And so then I had asked if I could go to the emergency room to see him. And she said, no, you can't. And I was like, right, of course I can't because COVID. At that point, we didn't know what it was. So yeah, so I went from seeing him as a very vibrant, alive, perfectly fine person to seeing him, you know, a little less than a week later, dead in a casket. And so that's been a really, it still remains to be a really challenging thing to have such a sharp contrast without all of those additional puzzle pieces to fill in the blanks. Yeah. I don't usually get emotional at this time when people tell their story, but yours and mine are so similar. I didn't see my husband collapse like that, but it was also during COVID and he was in the ER and, you know, you had no access. And it's just, I'm actually even surprised myself that I'm getting emotional listening to you. I'm like, it's been almost three years. I thought I had been through this enough times, but. (sighs) Well, and I mean, that's how it is, right? I think I'm finally at the point where I can tell the story like I was reading it in a book because I just said it so many times at this point, but there have been podcasts or TV shows where I see something that just strikes the chord and I'm like, yep, it's still very raw, right? Like it's just been this protective mode and it's been something that has saved me, my ability to compartmentalize and just tell it as I saw it, but to tell the story as I feel it is very, very different. Yeah, that's what that's how I feel like usually when I tell it, it's like kind of detached, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. this is the series of events that happened. But when I'm listening to you, I'm like, Oh, my God, that happened to me. That happened to me, too. You know, it's just, um, yeah, anyway. So yes, I understand. Um, And then just the craziness of living through COVID and trying to grieve and all of that. Yeah. So how long was it before you sort of emerged from your cocoon of grief and COVID and all of that back to the world at all? I I feel like I still haven't fully emerged. I mean, like I said, we were in the middle of a move to Boston. So we completed that move because he died at our house in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And it was very clear to the kids and to me that 
none of us wanted to be back there. So fortunately, we never had to spend another, you know, another day, another moment in that house um, because we just relocated to the house in Boston. But then after that, I had to figure out where were we going to go because we were moving to Boston for his job that no longer was there. So it took a while to figure out what our next move was. And ultimately, I decided to move back to my hometown so Mm -hmm. that my parents could be our primary support. And so that's where we are now. And it's taken a long time to interact with the world again in a real way. And I think to, to much of an extent, rather, dating was how I dipped my toe back into being part of the world again. Mm, interesting. Yeah, that sounds really hard to me to like days after your husband dies to then totally move to a new place where you have nobody. Like, did you have people in Boston? So my brother lived there. And so that was okay. great. And my, my parents also stopped their life and moved in with us. So they were living with us in Boston um, for a few months until we moved back to my hometown. So that was obviously everything to me because yeah, otherwise we were very much alone and, you know, we weren't in a position because of COVID to be able to open our doors to friends who only lived two hours away so they could just circulate through the house like that just it didn't feel safe at that point yeah yeah for sure um okay so then how did the dating start for you so the dating started initially i was still in boston when i started to just crave the human connection of course Mm -hmm. as you've talked a lot about on your show and It felt safe to possibly start to explore it in Boston because I was leaving that area. And so, yeah, yeah, so one day I decided to get on um, one of the apps. I can't even remember which one it was, but I very quickly realized I was not ready for it because Mm. I was like, how am I going to tell them I'm a widow? How do I work this into the conversation? How do I even feel about that? And like, what would dating mean to me at this point? in my, in my life. And I very quickly realized that for me, I was going to be filling a space, Mm -hmm. um, that I was, that I was really, really missing. And at that point I decided that I didn't want to start dating again until I felt very okay with being not part of a couple for the rest of my life. And I think that kind of goes back to what we were talking about before with that level of independence and needing to know that whatever happens in my life, I'll be okay on my own two feet. Um, and that's how I felt when I was married to Andrew. And I needed to make sure that I felt that way again before I even started casually dating. So I think I was on the apps for all of you know, a weekend or something and very quickly realized <laughs> that it was just making me sick to my stomach. And that's not what I wanted to associate dating yeah. with. Yes. This is really interesting to me too, because like that that idea that like you wanted to make sure you would be okay being alone forever before you started dating somebody. First of all, I feel like that's very admirable. I also know like I am so not wired that way. Like I I don't think I was ever going to be okay with being alone for not being alone, but right like being by myself forever. And I'm only saying that just because like it's so fascinating to me hearing all these stories and talking to all these different men and women about like there is really no right way, right? Yeah. there are so many things, especially on Instagram that say like, make sure you do this and this and this and this. And it's like, no, that was awesome for you. That was not my journey. And that's what I wanted to be very clear is that there are people who start dating three months after one month after, and there is zero judgment. I think before I absolutely would have judged and said, there's no way that they can be ready. And maybe people aren't ready 
emotionally, but maybe they're ready in another way. And, you know, you can't wait until you're ready in every single way. And now having lived through it, you really understand why people do it or why they wait years later. Um, And so it's just, I think, really important to make it clear that there is there's zero judgment and your heart just goes out to anyone who has to make any of those decisions yeah. that they never thought about having to make. I mean, I I used to joke with the Andrew because I had a few friends who were on dating apps when we were married. And I used to say, oh my gosh, that sounds so fun, so efficient. Like, <laughs> how did I miss out on this? Well, yes. you know, it's like something I can joke about now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, it's just you're just in a place where you never imagined. Yeah, I used to do that too, where I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sad I missed the online dating thing. It sounded like so much fun. Yeah. And then we get into it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I think it's really just like about knowing what you need as a human and what is best for you, which it sounds like you have been good at all along the way, before and after. Yeah, I think, I think that has been one of my strengths. Um, but I also knew from the beginning, so after I told the kids that their dad died, and they had their reactions. My daughter, um, who was about to turn eight um, at the time, she sat next to me and just looked at me and said, so you're a widow? And it mm-hmm. just shocked me that she even knew what that word was and what that meant. And then also very soon after Andrew died, my daughter specifically, but both of my kids would ask me, are you going to get married again? Are mm-hmm. you, you know, What are you going to do? And my response to them was always very honest, which was, I'm very open to being married again. I loved being in love with your dad and I loved being married to him. So if I can have that again, why wouldn't I? Yeah. And so it was important to me that I didn't say to them, no, I'm never going to get married again because I I thought that they would have a very hard time switching that in their brain if I change later on. Yeah. And so I just took that route with them. I love that. And you were answering the questions they were asking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My kids were just about the same age when my husband died. And um, I always am like hyper aware how television and media is just, you know, every character, every adult character is widowed, basically. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. they're just like wired to think you're going to meet somebody else again because that's the storyline. Well, and that's part of the thing that we had to go through is that I realized through movies that they've seen when the parent remarries, it's it was never this wonderful thing. It was always yeah. kind of, my parent is dating, now my parent's getting married. What happened in the middle? And so yeah. I, that was also part of the conversation is that I always told them, okay, if I ever date someone seriously, here are the things, the boxes they have to check. You know, they have, this person has to be comfortable with us talking about daddy. They have to be okay with us celebrating daddy's birthday and having pictures and they have to make space for that. And so I was always incredibly clear. And I think that reassured them that Andrew would always be part of the family and part of the picture. Um, And I also had to reassure them early on that if I ever do get remarried, it isn't going to be, here's my boyfriend. Now we're engaged. It would be, (laughs) we will have a conversation as a family and say, this is where we are. This is what's coming next. It doesn't mean you have to approve of it or sign off on it, but we will make you part of that conversation. Right. And like, I'm not going to choose somebody who's a jerk to you. Cause I feel like a lot of media shows that it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, the like step parent or whatever has like a terrible relationship with these kids. I'm like, no, we're not going to be like that. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't put up with that, right? Like, Exa- Yeah. Okay, so you 
dabbled in online dating in Boston. Mm -hmm. And then there was obviously a phase two. Yeah, the phase two was we moved to my hometown and then we were doing house renovations, online schooling, all of these other things. And so there was, I I just wasn't, I wasn't there. I wasn't there mentally. I couldn't put myself out there and I didn't want to yet. But I did say in my head that probably around the year mark is when I need to start considering it because I didn't want it to become this thing and have this like really heavy buildup to it. But I also knew for me that I didn't want to start dating until I was ready to take off my wedding ring. So shortly after Andrew died, I stopped wearing my engagement ring because it just didn't, it didn't feel right, but I still wore my wedding ring. And I knew for me that I wanted to stop wearing my wedding ring before I started dating. Um, And so a few months before I thought I might be ready before that year anniversary, I had my wedding ring resized and now I just wear it on my pinky. And I had my engagement ring turned into a necklace. Um, And so I did that. And then there was this other ring that I had. It was kind of a spinner ring and it had four gold bands around it. And Mm -hmm. I had picked four bands for each of us. And in my mind, I was just saying one day, like, I just need to know when it's okay to start dating, right? Like you just want a sign. You always want a sign, even though I trust myself, you still just want that sign from the universe. And um, so what I decided was, you know, that there would be this sign in some way. And one day I was driving to the grocery store and I had on that ring. And when I came back, one of those gold bands had come off and it was beneath the ring. And I just saw that as a sign to me that like Andrew was leaving space for something else. And so that was my sign. And so then I joined some dating apps after that and dove into dating kind of head first. Good. Okay. Which apps did you go on? So I think initially I first went on Bumble because it just felt the safest because I had the most control over it. Yeah. Um, we like control. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, but by the end though, I went on all of them. Um, yeah. Oh, you but, just like went for it. Well, it took, it took a little, like a few more months into it. Yeah. Um, okay. But yeah, by the end I was definitely on, on all of them. So there are like hundreds, right? So do you remember which ones you were active on? Yeah. So the ones I was active on most were Bumble, Hinge, and Tinder. And, you know, Tinder gets such a bad rap, but in my area, it was just like, that's where the most people were. And I think it's just because that's the one that most people knew about. So from my experience, it didn't come with the negative opinion that everyone, that everyone had about it. But yeah, so those were the three that I was most active on. Yeah. And I think it's like the way you treat it, right? Exactly. Like, yeah. 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 Um, okay. So then give us the action. Yeah. What happened? So there was a lot of dating, a lot of fun. And the way that I approached it is that dating was a hobby for me. And mm-hmm. if it wasn't fun, I wasn't going to do it. And I went in very clearly knowing what I wanted and what I didn't. I mean, my profile had that I was a widow And it had in there that I was looking or that I wasn't looking for love, but I was open to it because that was, you know, that's how I was treating it. You know, I wasn't going in. I've done the marriage. I've done the kids thing that wasn't necessarily on my list. I wasn't in a rush. But at the same time, I felt like it was important for people to know that I was still very open to falling in love and very welcoming of love into my life. And so it was it was just so much fun because I had no idea who 
this version of me was. And I had no idea what my deal breakers, I mean, I knew some of them, right? Might be and might not be. Um, But otherwise, it was just like, are you, are you fun? Do I want to keep talking to you? And if so, then like, great, let's go on a date. And that's really how I approached it. I was, I was pretty speedy in terms of if I made a connection on the app, let's talk for a bunch, let's hop on the phone so I can ensure that you can carry on the conversation. Because if you can't pass that, then there's no way I'm coming to meet you in person. Um, But then if you can keep, keep the banter going, keep the conversation going, then like, why not? Why not just just go out and have dinner and meet up for drinks. And at that point, my kids were spending two nights a week at my parents anyways. So it was a very easy transition to those were the nights, those were the nights that I would go out. So they didn't necessarily see much of a change in their life as a result of my dating. You know, there was a time or two where my daughter would, would say something and I had to remind her, look, you were going to your grandparents these two nights the week for the past year, yeah. the only thing that's different is that you now know that I'm not sitting at home by myself, right? I'm yeah. going out and doing something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, I dated guys on a wide range, right? A, a wide spectrum, because again, I wasn't looking for a husband. I wasn't looking for a father of my kids. So I really use this as an opportunity to interact with and engage with so many different personality types to see what stuck with me, how it felt, um, and to play that out. Yeah, that was kind of my approach too. Okay, so what did you you learn about yourself and what you liked and what you were looking for from all that? So one of the interesting things that was hard for me to acknowledge is that Andrew was an incredibly outgoing person. Mm -hmm. And so he took up a lot of space in any room that he was in. He was often the center of attention and the one to make a conversation. And he was a development officer and a fundraiser. So like it just came naturally to him. And I realized that that's how I was and how I am, but it wasn't how I was in my dynamic with him. Mm. I was much more of an introvert in many ways in my relationship with him when it came to social settings. And so when I started dating, I had someone tell me that I was fun and funny. And I remember texting my brother and just being like, I'm, I'm funny. (laughs) My my brother was like, yeah, yeah, you are. But it just, it wasn't, that wasn't part of my identity Mm. in my relationship with Andrew. So it was so interesting to feel these other parts and see these other parts of me come out where I was incredibly charismatic and engaging and outgoing and funny and all of these things that actually reminded me of who I was when I was in high school. And I think it was Mm. those personality traits that brought Andrew and I together, but they were just personality traits that I had started to, um, to shift or to, you know, to dull down a little bit, to even out the energy to some extent um, in my relationship with Andrew. And so when I was dating, I saw that about myself again. And I was like, oh my gosh, right. Like, and that's what I also realized that the kids are getting a different version of me now than they've ever had, Mm. um, which was hard and beautiful at the same time. But so I, I realized that I needed to keep this part of my identity going in any relationship that I was in. Um, And so I actually didn't end up dating anyone that was incredibly, you know, outgoing or, you know, similar to Andrew in many ways. Um, I think I steered clear of some of, you know, of his type um, because I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do that for me. So I I learned that early on that I needed that. Um, And then the other thing too, is that 
right? With this grief and with being a widow, there's a lot there. There's a lot there. I mean, I think everyone brings a lot into the relationship, but one of the things that I knew early on was that I needed to have a person who was confident and I didn't quite know what that meant, you know, um, or what that would look like. And I thought it could play out in a few different ways, but I also really needed a, a nurturing person. And Andrew was definitely nurturing and affectionate. And that's what I also realized though, that I, like I needed some of those similarities. There were some things about Andrew that I do want in, in a relationship. But again, it was this thing where when I was dating initially, I wasn't looking for a relationship. Um, so I could, identify all these things, but not consider that to be a reason why I would stop talking to someone or stop going out on dates with someone, which was a really great place to be for me. Yeah. Yeah. I remember one time um, telling my cousin who was, I was, she was kind of the one I was bouncing ideas off of. I remember saying to her, yeah, I've had this, like a couple great dates with this guy and I really like him, but like, he doesn't text me good night or good morning. And she's like, I thought you're not looking for a relationship. I was like, well, I'm not. I'm looking to have fun. She's like, those are relationships. <laughs> I was like, oh, are they? I just thought that that's like common courtesy. And she's like, no, that's relationship stuff. I think it's I think it's relationship stuff. But I also, for me, because I was, I did want the same thing too, mm-hmm. very early on. And for me, it was this an indicator that this person was was thinking about me. Yes, exactly. And so it wasn't that I wanted to be in a relationship with them, but I just wanted to know that I mattered to them in some yes. way, right? Yeah. And like after years of marriage, you're just used to having somebody to say good morning to and good night to. And it feels weird almost to like go to bed without that. And you have the kids, if you have kids, right, you have that and you can say that. But then there's like this adult component of like, but I want to like say good night to somebody. Well, and it was, (laughs) and for me, (laughs) like, I just wanted to know that they were putting the same amount of energy into it that I was. Uh And, but it's also this thing too, where you know, you had to figure out how to get to know a person in a way that you hadn't had to really before. And so that's where that, like, I just, I, I'm just a very open, transparent, call it like it is kind of person, especially now. And so I would sometimes be like, are you just not a texter or do you not care? Like how, where, where are you in this? Yes. And that, I think that was helpful for me. But what I also realized is that the guys that I was dating or interacting with, they were not used to a woman being so straightforward um, where I was saying, I just want to have fun. That is what I'm looking for. Can we have fun together? And I think, you know, the majority of people on dating sites tend to be looking for something more serious. Or not at all. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah. I remember like dropping a guy because he was a bad texter. I was like, Mm -hmm. I need more from you in text. He was like, I don't believe in building relationship through text. I was like, sorry, bye. (laughs) Right. And I think that's, that's the other part too, is knowing when to call it. And, you know, and people talk a lot about how people ghost people on dating apps. And I didn't really care. You know, I was like, the way that I approached it was, it's a hard conversation to have with someone to say, you know what? I'm not really into you. Yeah nothing personal because it is personal and it absolutely is. And that's okay. You're allowed to say to me, just not feeling it. Don't want to text anymore. But I know again, how hard that is to send that text. So people just stop texting. But from my perspective, I was that person who was sending that text or it's like, you know what? Just, you're just not for me. I don't need to justify it, but thanks. Moving on. Yeah. I mean, I think there's like a couple different things where like, if you're, if you've been talking to somebody for a while, then yeah, yeah. Yes. Have, have the decency. Yeah. But also like 
sometimes I think when people ghost, because I know I did this too, not, I didn't like ghost people, but like if you start a conversation online and then you don't really follow up, it's like, it wasn't actually about that person. It was like something else was happening in my life or, you know, so I think it, it might be about you, but it might also not be. But I think that was the thing though, is like, you just, you just can't take any of it personally. Even if it is personal, you just have to be willing to say, this wasn't the right fit for whatever reason. And moving on (laughs) next, there's more out there. Exactly. Okay. So let's get down to the man that you met. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I've been with someone for a little over a year now and he's living with us. Um, And that has been amazing and hard and emotional and beautiful and bittersweet and just all of the things under the sun all wrapped up into you know, a little over a year. Yeah. Okay, wait, go back. Yeah. I want to hear yeah. how you met. Like what app did you meet on? What was your first date? So, so, so we met on a few apps, um, but oh. I didn't realize that we had connected on another app. Um, and I think we, I think it was Tinder ultimately. Um, but he was like, yeah, we were talking on this app too. And I didn't really realize that we were, or that we had started a conversation <laughs> on another app. Um, but he was just recently divorced or in the process of getting a divorce. And he had a very similar story in that he had never really dated either and, and mm-hmm. all of that. So I started dating at the end of May of 2021 and dated fast and furiously. And there came a point in the fall where I was kind of like, I think I'm slowing down. I think I'm, I need to take a breather. I need to recenter. I think I'm going to just go off the dating apps and stop and then restart again in January of the new year. And then this guy popped up and he was very different from anyone that I had dated previously or just talked with. And we went out and the first night we went out, um, when we met, he went to shake my hand and (laughs) I'm glad you're chuckling too, because we we (laughs) chuckle about it all the time. (laughs) Um, and he was like, you know, he, he shook, he went to shake my hand and I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Like, can we, can we hug at least? This is my and, exact same story with my boyfriend. No. I was like, no, 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 I'm hugging. <laughs> That's so funny because, yeah, it was just, and, you know, he was like, I didn't know. Like, I thought that was what I was supposed to do. I would just be polite. And I was like, no, no, no. Like, let's, let's just hug. But, yeah, he was just so different. Like, there was actual potential there. And I didn't quite know how I felt about that, I think. It was overwhelming. Mm. And up until that point, I had been dating multiple people. Right. And I was, I was open about that. And he was very open about the fact that he was not willing to go into a relationship like that, even if it was just at the beginning of the relationship. Initially I was like, well, then this isn't for me. I'm not going to do that. Um, but then I was kind of like, you know what? I did just say I was going to slow down. I was going to change how I was dating. So like, let's see what this looks like. Let's see. Um, and obviously it went well, but it was just dating is very different than being in a serious relationship. Yeah. And that was a serious relationship from, you know, from the beginning. And it's, you know, similar to how it was with my husband is like, we were together from that very first night that we met, you know, I stopped dating other people. Yeah. We went off the apps. Um, and I knew right away that it was, that it was different and that this was going to be a very different experience. And what I wasn't prepared for though, was how being in a serious relationship was going to have similarities to my marriage and mm-hmm. how that would stir up and bring up new grief 
and just sadness and longing and navigating that as a couple, as a new couple is intense. It is, it's, it's, it's really, it's a lot, you know, so we've had endless hours of conversation about what that is and how that can be and, and how you can love this other person and how I can still like, of course, have these days where I cry for Andrew and for my life with Andrew. And, you know, there are days where I just want to be kind of like that toddler who's just on the ground kicking and screaming, just being like, I just want my life back. But also I'm kind of happy where I am now. Yeah. Um, And it's just, it's so hard to have that. And so I've become, I think, more empathetic to him in terms of trying to imagine knowing that I can't actually know what it feels like um, to have the person that you love long for someone else, even though I reassure him that this is where I know I'm supposed to be at this point and, and I want to be there. I can only imagine how difficult it is to know that like, there's part of me that like, of course, I'm always going to want the other life back. Of course, I'm going to want my kid's dad to be alive. Um, Do you, have you and him talked about that specifically? Yeah, yeah, we have. And and I think it's one of those things, again, that's really hard to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's important to me to be honest about the fact that, like, I'm going to forever want my old life. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that I can't still be really happy with where it is now and accepting yeah. of it, right? Because I am. I'm very accepting that this is my life now, that my husband is dead. But I'm also in love and I can imagine a future with this person and I'm no longer, you know, trying to fit Andrew and imagine what it would be like with Andrew in the future. It's like, I imagine my future with this person. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I just did um, an interview with my boyfriend for the first time and asked him like all the questions that everybody had. So that's on the Patreon. And um, he I mean, I think in a very respectful way, he was sort of like, I'm not threatened by this. Like, I mean, he's like, with all due respect, he's gone. Right. And I, and you're mine now, (laughs) you know, and I also know and totally respect the fact that like, you love him and you will forever. And this is your kid's dad. And, you know, I think for him, it's just like, it's just part of the package. Right. You know? And I think, you know, he expressed that very early on, which is why I felt comfortable moving at the pace that we did because he wasn't threatened by it. You know, I still have a picture of Andrew and me by my bed in the room that we share. Um, And I've asked him, you know, do you, do you want me to take it down? Because I do see that bedroom is, is ours. Right. And it was, it was never a bed or a bedroom that I shared with Andrew. And he was like, if you need it there, that's fine. Hmm. And, and so that was really special to me. And, you know, my, my thinking shifted from in the beginning, I was like, if he were to say to me that he would prefer that I take it down, I would see that as a sign that he's not ready or that he can't be with a widow. Whereas now I really see it as it's okay for him to have boundaries and limits too. And it's okay for him to say, I'm okay with photos and every other place of the house, but I need the bedroom to be an us zone. And that, that surprised me because again, from the beginning, I was like, they have to be accepting of it. They have to, like, I'm not going to change anything, blah, blah, blah. But then once you really get into a partnership, you realize like, this isn't just about me. Yes. And like, that was 
very eye-opening because I never thought about that going into it, but it, it's, yeah. this is our life. And yeah. yes, the, the hard lines are that there will always be photos of Andrew. There will always be these certain things, but like, but he is allowed to set some boundaries too. Yeah. I even think about that in terms of like the podcast and my Instagram page. I'm like, before he was like, and guys I dated were like, they were something external sort of, but now I'm like, this is like our life. Yeah. And I'm like putting it out into the world. Now his opinion about what I'm doing, like I take it into consideration very strongly. Well, and that's part of it, right? Is that even before I jumped on with you, you know, he and I talked about what do you think you might talk about? And, you know, and we talked about what are some areas of my my dating experience that he might not want to be out there for everyone. And I said, you know yeah. what, that's, I understand that. And whereas before, I think I would say like, it is my story. Mm-hmm. I can say whatever I want. And if you don't like it, you have to leave. Now it's kind of like, yeah, even though it is my story, yeah. we are now together. And so that is, you know, the consideration that I want to give my partner. Yeah, that's right. We sort of owe them that respect as well. Exactly. Um, So how did you guys decide to move in together? Does he have kids? He does. He does. He has a son. um, And that's, you know, that's another podcast. Um, But but he was he was here all the time. I mean, he was living here without officially living here. And so we met in December. And I think we looked back at one point and I introduced the kids to him maybe the end of January, beginning of February. Oh, wow. yeah. And in my mind, you know, I was like, it'll be months until they meet, but then it just felt right. And, and it worked. And then the kids eventually knew that he was spending the night when they weren't here. And then eventually he spent the night when they were here. And then he was spending more nights here. And I did check in with the kids about it. Um, just to say, how are you feeling about this? You know, his name is Charlie. Charlie can always go back to his apartment if, if you need space. You know, if I need space, he doesn't want you to feel like he's imposing. And so I was very open and honest about that. And the kids were just okay. And that was a huge part of it is I was just taking my cues from the kids. And so then he started staying here more and more and more. And I mean, he was here kind of full time from April of 2022 on. And so then come the end of the year, we're kind of like, okay, his lease is up for renewal. Does this make sense? And we're like, I was like, yeah, we're like, we're here. <laughs> this yeah. is this is what we're doing. You, you don't have your apartment, even though yeah. you have it, you're not using it for anything. And so we both just, you know, knew that that's what we wanted. And we also knew that officially living together would bring about a new layer and level to our relationship that we would never be able to explore until... Mm-hmm until we were there because, you know, when someone has an out, even though it's not like he would run to his apartment, if we got into a disagreement, there's still kind of the security of knowing Mm -hmm. that like, that's a possibility. Um, and I think both of us were ready to just show that level of commitment and say, we, we don't want to go anywhere else. We just want it to be, to be here. Yeah. Is there, this might be hard to answer, but is there a part of you that still feels like, is this my life? Oh, all the time. All the okay. time. Yeah. <laughs> all okay. the time. All the time. Even when I look at myself in the mirror, yeah, it's so hard. I'm like, who, who are you? What, what happened to you? Who's this um, new guy? <laughs> yeah. And it's, I mean, for me, so I will say the things that have made it easier for me is that 
we're in a new town, we're in a new house. So Andrew, while Andrew and I came back to my hometown a ton to visit family and he loved it here, this, we were never in this house with him. We were never living this life with him. And so in many ways, it makes perfect sense that he's not here. And I don't look for him in places. Um, What's really challenging for me is that I can't believe that the other life actually existed because my Mm. life now is so drastically different. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's the piece that's difficult for me to reconcile um, where I just feel like I've had these two very, very different lives. Um, And so like when I look at pictures from before, you know, it's it, right. It's like I used to, wow, like she was just so naive. And so it's really been a lot of work mm-hmm. of trying to love that person, right? And mm-hmm. to bring some of that person with me, mm-hmm. but to also know that, like, I'm just my entire being, yeah, has been transformed by this. Yeah. I think, like, one of the big things I'm struggling with, because, like, I'm listening to you talking about moving in, and I'm like, yeah, that sounds so nice. And then there's this other part of me that's just like, I'm so, because I'm still in the same house that I shared yeah. with my husband, we shared. Um, there's this other part of me that's just like, I'm so scared of, like, leaving this whole thing and feeling like my old life is just gone. Well, and I think for me, what happened was, even though Andrew never existed in this space, this space is one that I created by myself Mm. after he died and we did tons of renovations and it was my safe haven. And so I think there were some similar feelings in terms of I had to give up a lot of control Mm -hmm. and, and I knew that going in that like, I couldn't have, I couldn't have him move in with me until I was really ready to treat this like our home. Yeah. Um, And so I can imagine how difficult that would be if it was the physical space that you shared. And like, I think regardless of when you do it, there will be those feelings. And I think that's sometimes why people end up moving, right? When they move in with a partner to have kind of that just, um, but the one thing for me is that we have the same car that we had when Andrew was alive. Mm. And so that's the last kind of physical place that he occupied together or that we occupied together. And so I have lots of anxiety about anything happening to that car. Like Mm -hmm. I'm already preparing myself for when that car breaks, when that, when something happens to it and I have to get rid of that car, it's going to be losing Andrew in another, in another way. Yeah. Yeah. I, and like, I wouldn't ever have my boyfriend move into this house. I think that would just be too, too much for my mind to, you know, too fuzzy. But um, yeah, that's, I think it's, that's it. It's the anxiety about like giving up this space that we shared together. Yeah. Um, A couple questions. So how has like your family been in general about all of this new transition? Well, so I don't ask a lot. (laughs) So when I, when I was dating, I think they were all very, very happy for me and just excited to see me do something for myself because that's what dating was, especially because I wasn't dating to get married or find a, you know, find a co-parent. Dating was the one thing that I was doing solely for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was so empowering. And I didn't realize that's what it was for me. And so they, they were so happy about that. You know, entering a serious relationship, I think my parents welcomed him with open arms. I was so, so nervous about it because Andrew was like a son to them, like a brother to my siblings. Mm-hmm. So I was so worried about, you know, would they be expecting 
another Andrew? How would they compare them and, and all of that? But my parents, you know, I shouldn't be surprised, but they just were nothing but welcoming and loving and supportive Mm -hmm. and never once asked or questioned anything that I did. Um, It doesn't mean that they weren't worried. And of course, when I was dating during that summer, my mom was always a little nervous, I could tell. Um, But I reassured her. It was like, my best friends have photos of this person. They know the (laughs) phone number, where he works. Like I had my location services on so my friends could track like all of that. And so that made them feel feel much better. Um, and, And my siblings too have been, you know, have been very welcoming. And I think it's hard for everyone because you know, it's a new dynamic. Yeah, It doesn't mean that they don't want me to be happy or that they don't care about the person that I'm with now, but it's just a new level of grief for them yeah. to see the new reality. And yeah. fortunately, they don't share any of those feelings with me because I'm sure there are tons of feelings. So I don't feel burdened by it, but it's also this exercise and just trusting to my own decisions, right? And not yeah. needing or seeking that outside validation. Yeah. And is there any pressure on you to get actually married? No, no, no one, no one has asked or talked about that. I think of course my parents would, would love more babies. Um, but, but that ship has absolutely sailed. I mean, I well, pretty much say, would you love more babies. Yeah, no, no, no. I love babies. Um, and Andrew and I were going to have a third. We had planned that for that. Um, but pretty immediately after he died, I kind of decided like that was something that I did with Andrew you know, I I couldn't imagine having more kids after that. Honestly, part of that though is too, because there's been such healthy anxiety Mm. around, around dying. Yeah. You know, and I had two C-sections and so to have a third C-section just felt like it was an unnecessary risk. Yeah. And that really, you know, made the decision for me as well. Yeah, totally. Well, Adriana, I can tell that you listen to the podcast because you've worked in every single quick question <laughs> into your answers along the way. So I don't even have any quick questions to ask you, but I do have a couple like ending questions. Sure. Oh, did you send me a song? I did. I keep forgetting to ask you. Okay, yeah, good. I two songs. So um, The Bones by Maren Morris. Okay. And that has just been a song that can uplift me, but can also break me at the same time. Mm. And it's just talking, I don't know if you've heard it before, but it's really just talking about how it's all about the foundation of Mm -hmm. a house of a relationship. And so if you have that strong foundation, regardless of what's happening on outside, it'll be okay. And the first time I heard that song, I just started crying. And it's been a song that I've played for the kids over and over and explained to them why it means something to me. Yeah, because it just, you know, reminds me that the foundation that I had with Andrew was so strong and so solid. And so like, it's all going to be okay, whatever that looks like. And um, it was really sweet because my kids made playlists um, on their phone. My son was playing his last night and that song was on there. And it just really caught me off guard. Um, But so it's been nice that it means something to them too. And then the other one is Firework by Katy Perry. (laughs) And Andrew and I saw a Katy Perry concert before and he was just like, he was all in, he bought a t-shirt and wore it. Um, (laughs) So it's just such a fun memory. But that song, it finally just feels like I've over the past year have like started to be able to come alive again and find some of that spark, right? That used to exist. And a spark that I never thought could be reignited. And so for me, that song, while incredibly just like, you know, it's like, it's Katy Perry. Yeah. Um, it is. It's really powerful. And some days I can't 
bear to listen to it because I'm like, nope, I'm not feeling it at all. But other days it's just like, I can just own it. And other days it's the song that I need to just lift me up a little bit more. Mm, I love that. So last two questions. One is how do you think you've changed the most since Andrew died? Yeah, I've, I've become much more vulnerable. Um, and I've become much more aware of and accepting of my limits because I, mm. I have a feeling this can resonate with you before you'd have a bad day or you'd be in your feelings and you could just kind of push through like, right. You mm. could just do what needs to be done regardless. Um, but now that's just not the case. Um, yeah. especially after going back to work, like there's just some days where there, there was no pushing through. It didn't matter how badly I wanted to produce or to do or to achieve you just couldn't. And I had to accept it. Mm-hmm. So it's still something that I'm working on, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then what is one thing you're looking forward to? I'm looking forward to seeing who I am, right. And who I become. And that's the, one of the things is that even after Andrew died, I still remained curious about what my life would look like and turn into. And that's still something that I feel every day. It's like, I just, I just don't know. Right. You just never know. And so just remaining curious and looking forward to seeing what comes next. Yeah. I feel like you and I are kindred spirits. Our stories are so similar. And I just, if we were in the same town, I would want to grab coffee with you tomorrow. I, yeah, I agree. It's, and that's right. I mean, the community you've created and just finding other widows as early on as possible in, in anyone's journey or experience is I think just life-saving because knowing that there's someone else who just, who just gets it. And then when you find someone who has more similarities, right. Someone who's, whose partner died during the pandemic is huge. Someone whose partner died when you have kids the same age, um, because every experience is unique. Um, so when you can find more similarities, um, it just, it just helps so much not feeling alone. Yeah. And to know that all the thoughts in my head are normal-ish. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Adriana, thank you so, so much for doing this. Thank you. And I wish you the best in your living situation. Thank you so much. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Well, that's it for this one. Until next week, I will just encourage you to check out the Patreon, seek out better help if you are in need of therapy, and touch base with us on Instagram. Hope to see you there. Bye.